out of that. Nah, I mean, we need a little bit more emotion right now. I mean, look, it's this time of year, leading into the playoffs, we need that emotion. Um, you know, I'm, I'm proud that we didn't just, you know, quit playing. Uh, we gave it a try. Uh, we managed to score, goal, uh, score two goals and, you know, make a little bit of a, of a game. But uh, fortunately, they get the 6-1 and then uh, that kind of seals it. Got a good old-fashioned ass kicking tonight. One back, and shooting, he scores! Alan Sovetskin, 7-67! He stands alone in third place, passing Yager, and it's 3-2 Washington! The bench is emptied. They congratulate him in mass. Alex Ovechkin rolling over the odometer. It happens with 4.58 to go. There are two names left. Gordy Howe and Wayne Gretzky. Yamir Yager now number four. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. The Golden Knights gave up seven goals last night to the Winnipeg Jets. They went 0-5-0 on their road trip. It is the first time in franchise history that they have not picked up a point in a five-game stretch. Uh, did we come to a unanimous agreement it's the lowest point in franchise history? I think we did. Okay. Jared, are you in on that? Ben Goats was completely okay. in on that. I mean, I didn't swing you with the Sharks... No, the sharks. The sharks one stopped me in my tracks, though, because okay. I forgot it was three zero in the third. I mean, it was, <laughs> if it had been one zero in the third, I'd have said no, that was it. But it uh, three one series the, lead, three nothing lead in the seventh and third in period of game seven. Games, I mean, yeah, and you also have to Mark Andre Fleury not being able to stop a beach ball for those final four yes. goals. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. But this is worse, right? This is bad. It's not good. Like, nobody got fired because they lost the Sharks. Eventually, no, Gerard got, got fired. got fired because he lost four games in a row. But and nobody, he, I think nobody that was got fired. Him. And I think somebody's getting fired for this. He also didn't, didn't whenever he won one of the games in there, they beat one of the worst teams, and he went on, like, a tirade about, like, what, this league isn't good now? And it's like, dude, you, you beat a bunch, of, like, a triple-A team. Yeah, they were racking up wins against the worst teams in the league when Gerard Gallant, before well, Gerard Gallant I mean, got fired. This these team right now. Some of the worst, these guys played some of the worst games in the last week, and they didn't get a win. But in in their defense, they're the AAA team. <laughs> so, <laughs> did you see what the Flames, co- what Flames yes. coach Daryl Suter said yesterday? Yes. So he was talking about ending up as a wild card team and having to play Colorado in the first round, and he said it's going to be a waste of eight days. <laughs> As in, so there's days in between. You're going to start that series. You're yeah. going to get swept, and it's and going to be eight days where you look around saying, "What the hell did we do this for?" <laughs> well, we played we played 82 regular season games. We we snuck into the playoffs, and, and we, we just, wasted ourselves. Uh, we could have been on the golf course a week ago. Yeah, we're done in eight days. With so our small hands, one, two, three, Cancun. Waste of a week here. Um, are the Golden Knights going to end up wasting eight days I playing don't think Colorado? So. Well, I'm I'm not even sure they're getting to the playoffs. You think they're getting to the playoffs? I do. I think this is what I, happens. I think they waste you think they eight get days. Swept? Well, who's healthy? That's that's I mean, the biggest thing. How, yeah, that's how many the of the good question. players are healthy? Is Laurent Brossois the goalie for this series? 
They're wasting eight days. No, because I don't think they get swept. So if he was the goalie for the day, the eight days, they might get swept. Yeah. So if you know, if Robin Leonard's back, if Max Pacioretty's back, even if you told me like Mark Stone's out, he's just done for. But they get Leonard back, they get Pacioretty back, they get like uh, one of the defense. Yeah, McNabb is back. Alec Martinez is gone too. They get one right. But if Leonard's not there, if Pacioretty's not there... Then you know what it is? It's a waste of eight days. It's a waste of eight days. And you probably go into it knowing it's a waste of eight days. But I, I do wonder... Okay, the whole idea of getting into the playoffs, and, and one of the good things about the NHL playoffs compared to, say, the NBA playoffs, anybody can win it, right? We've right. seen an eight We've seed win it. the Stanley Cup before in the NHL. Basketball doesn't really happen, though the Nets might have a shot at doing something like that. But... There's this idea that anybody can get in and win. So if you're the Golden Knights, conceivably, you could be looking at right. Like the front office could right now be looking at it saying, just get us in the playoffs. Doesn't doesn't matter what C doesn't matter for a wild card. Just get us in. Maybe our health will our health luck will be better then. And we'll have a shot at knocking off a team in the first round and going on a run there. They might be looking at it that way. But I do wonder if that's the smart way or should they be looking at it as, hey, even if we sneak into the playoffs as a wild card team, if we have to go to Colorado, it's a waste of eight days. Like I, I genuinely wonder how they look at it. Does anybody else in the league look at Colorado as a first round matchup the same way Daryl Suter does and say, which waste of eight days, I guess correlates to what you think they'll do at the deadline. Right. That's sort of the key that's, question. Cause that's next week. We're less than a week away from week. the trade deadline. So if they're of what you just said on the ladder there, then they should be sellers. Right. Which is, so there is, like, take Riley Smith, for example. He is an unrestricted free agent after this season, right? You've got a couple, you got a couple of guys that are unrestricted free agents. Um, Nick Haig, I think, is one of them as well. Like, uh, who am I thinking? Matthias Janmark, he's also injured at the time. But, like, you've got some guys that are unrestricted free agents. Nick Haig is a restricted free agent. Let me correct that real quick. But Riley Smith, Matthias Janmark. If... You don't plan on re-signing those two guys. You should trade them both. Now, of course. At the trade deadline. Yeah, if you don't if, think you're taking them back. If you think those two guys are walking in the offseason, right. you should trade them both at the trade deadline. Well, especially deadline. given where your team is. Right. If you're in because first place, I don't know. If if we go back two months ago, right, the idea here was, well, they might be able to utilize long-term IR and have sort of an illegal roster in the postseason. And sure, Riley Smith might walk in the offseason, but you're going for the cup, right? Riley Smith helps you win the cup, and that's a price you might be willing to pay, losing Riley Smith for nothing. But your you roster might be really good, and you've got a shot at it. Now, where they sit today, chances of winning the Stanley Cup have dwindled to almost zero. Keeping Riley Smith around, all you're really doing at this point is trying to stay afloat as a mm -hmm. wild card team. And if playing Colorado is a waste of eight days then there's no real difference in playing Colorado and missing the playoffs. Right. Meaning anybody that you're not keeping for next year, you should move. You should trade. And in all seriousness, probably everything they do at the deadline should be well, geared towards next season. What because we're going to know what they do at the deadline, what they think of their chances. Right. And again, on paper, next year's team is a Stanley Cup contender. Right. Obviously, there's going to be some changes, but on paper, a team that starts with Jack Eichel, Alex Petrangelo, Mark, Mark Stone, Stone Alex, Max Pacioretty, Max Pacioretty. That's a that right. is a Stanley Cup contender. So everything you do with this deadline should be about what helps next year's team 
win the Stanley Cup. That starts with trading away Riley Smith and Matthias Janmark, mm-hmm. right? If you get back a, uh, maybe you're only getting picks back, which doesn't really help next year's team. But if you can get back a player that's cheap that might help you win next year, that'd be great. That'd yeah. be terrific if you could do that, right? And that goes for the rest of the roster. I don't know. There might be more creative ways you you trade guys away, but like if you can trade Evgeny Dodonov and get back somebody that you think is going to help you more next season, Uh-oh. right? Like there's a there's everything they do with the deadline should be about next year, not about this year, not about trying to stay afloat this year, not about trying to maximize your chance to win the Stanley Cup this year because that chance has dwindled so much. Everything should be about the following season because again, on paper, that core is good enough to be a Stanley Cup contender. And so you should be doing everything to maximize next season, not this season. Does Bill Foley buy that pitch? No. You walk in and say, hey, Bill, um, this team is, uh, we're kind of dying out here. I think Bill Foley says, don't worry, you know, let's see how healthy we are. If you have to add, you have to add because we think we're going to be healthy. And I don't, I never see Bill Foley admitting that they should tank or do things that would just give up on a season. Now, McPhee and McCrimmon might. But they're going to have to go to Foley, obviously, and and let and allow him, or let him know what's going on. So you think if Bill Foley ultimately makes the decision on the the way they approach this trade deadline, you think Bill Foley's looking at it from the standpoint of, hey, if we get these if, guys if back, we, if we get healthy, could win the cup. We can be Colorado yeah. in the first round. It's not a waste of eight days if we've got everybody back. Yeah, I. I think Bill right. Foley. I think Bill. That's the way Bill Foley thinks. I one, don't know if the other two dudes think it that way. One important caveat. How healthy are Stone and Leonard? Like, do they realistically expect those guys to be able to come back, or do they know in the back of their minds they're done for the season? Well, right? Robin Leonard walking around in crutches isn't a good right. Like, if, if if in fact that's what's happening, if they know right now Stone and Leonard are done, right. and they're just not announcing it, then I I I think if they know that right now, there's no way Foley can look at it and say we've got to go for it and try to win this right. year. If you know Stone and Leonard are done, I think then you've got to say, all right, we maximize for next year. So. That's one way to go about it. I might even say just Leonard. True, exactly. Although I think if it's just Leonard, then Foley saying, "Well, what goalies are available? Yeah. What about that guy in New York? <laughs> you know, we know the coach. Can we call the coach? We had a relationship with him at one He's point. Probably blocking the the numbers. <laughs> you probably, imagine that. Did Gerard go out block phone numbers? He probably doesn't know how to I, do that, right? Would he? He he definitely try to gain some leverage and make them overpay for anybody. If they called on him uh, on the, on the backup, if he listen, if it's Gerard Gallant from Vegas, he doesn't he doesn't have any input. He's always saying, "Hey, they just give me the roster and I coach it." So if it's Gerard it's Gallant from Vegas, he's it's not true. getting. There's it's no. True. I forgot about that consistent theme yeah, from him. There's no input into what trades they make. It is just uh, you give me the roster. Wasn't another consistent theme? He didn't know who was going to be the goalie until the goalie coach told yes. him. Yes. And he, he knew nothing about goalies either. He was like, I don't make any goalie decisions. What are you talking about? Until that goalie coach would always be in line at, in between periods getting uh, nachos, <laughs> which was very strange. And he thought the cheese was was mustard. Wait, what now? Dave Pryor yes. yeah. thought cheese yeah, was we, mustard? We yeah, we've him, had this discussion Not, not caught him. I mean, you know, he can do what he wants between periods. But one, one night, and I don't know why he was up there, but he was in line for the nachos. In the press box. Yeah, in the press yeah. box. And he was in line. And you know that that they don't I don't think I don't know if they have them anymore. But anyway, um, they had nachos, and he was in line for nachos. But I think he thought at some point it was mustard, and he put them on the hot dog, thinking it was mustard. It was a very it was it was a very first of all it was so surreal that he was up there getting food that I kind of stopped in my tracks. Well, this, Never mind, like wondering what he's free food. 
I, I know, I get that. But I mean, it was one of those things where, like, why are you here? And two, do you know that's cheese? It I was am, weird. I am fascinated by this idea that it might have been cheese. Do other countries have our sort of prepackaged nachos well, with that weird cheese? I mean, people put cheese on their hot dogs. I just yes. don't think he thought that was it. I think he thought it was mustard. <laughs> that was the weird part. I mean, yeah, I mean, people put everything on hot dogs, but it was very <laughs> strange. But that was the guy who every day, who's starting to go, oh, I'm going to ask Dave. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Dave Pryor <laughs> made all the decisions, apparently. Gerard Gallant made very few decisions. That's what he wants you to believe. He made very few decisions yes, that coach. About anything. The only thing he decided was that Ryan Reeves will be the starter of every single game. Yes. The fourth line is going to start yes. every game, whether you like it or not. Whether it's good for us or not, also irrelevant. And, Ryan Reeves is starting every game. And there's something to this Eakin kid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to be fair, he <laughs> down to the third line. He start that was First line center of the first game in Golden Knights history. And they won. And they won the game. They won the game. They eventually, Gerard Gallant was like, all right, he's staying in the lineup, but I'll put him in the third Tatar? line. Who's Tatar? Stop saying his name. I don't care. <laughs> all right, coming up next, it's Sam and Ash. I'm so focused on, you know, just getting through the first game of spring training. So I think we'll, we'll cross that bridge whenever, um, you know, the time comes. But right now, so many things could change. So. I'm not really too worried about that right now. Call Sam at Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Uh, we have a very important question to start with you two. Whose lap okay. does Rocky prefer more? Sam's. Wow. Whoa. Definitely. He that- knows Whoa. He knows. I am capable of protecting him from, from Ed. <laughs> How does that I make you him. feel, Ash? Look, I deal with Rocky 90% of the time, so I will let him choose. If it comes down to me or Sam, I, please choose Sam. <laughs> so you're pawning him off. That's good. That's good. I might be. Yeah, he loves Sam. He loves the marketing team here in the office. They are wrapped around his little paw or whatever. <laughs> Is Rocky a consistent visitor? Is he there every day? What you mean? Does he, is he a consistent employee? Yes, he's a consistent uh, the, employee. Yeah, as the as the chief uh, canine yeah. officer here. Uh, no, okay. no, he has a, he has a somewhat dubious work ethic. Uh, if I if I might say that with with love. But, I, um, yeah, I always joke he has a, one of the best agents out there that negotiated some uh, breaks that no one else could get. Uh, that's good. All right. Um, with Deshaun Watson, I am. Hold on, Jared. Hold you on. Got Wait, it. Where, where's the music? Transition. There you go. I am curious on a, on a couple of things here. He was not indicted by a grand jury. He is still being deposed uh, or will be deposed in the civil side of this. But on the no indictment from a grand jury, does that end any chance that criminal charges are, are brought against Desha- uh, Deshaun Watson for this? No, not really. We dealt with this, I believe, with uh, Zayon Collins. Uh, The way a prosecutor can bring a case is either they can go to a grand jury and present all of the evidence and see if the grand jury will return a true bill of criminal charges, or they can go through and file a criminal complaint against a person and go through a preliminary hearing. Usually you opt for a grand jury when you're not sure that you'll win because what are they? Preliminary hearings are public proceedings. So you don't really want to embarrass yourself, whereas a grand jury is behind closed doors. So 
I, what in a nutshell, if new evidence comes up, a new uh, accuser comes forward, there's still a chance he could face criminal charges. But with these, it looks like it's going to end. Uh, we've seen this in many, many famous cases, one specifically very famous. But the burden of level of uh, proof is less, I think, in the civil than the criminal. He's got at least 20 women who are now going to de- depose him. Well, that's my first question. If they're all in a lawsuit, and I don't know if this is the case... How many times does he actually have to be deposed? Because it, it, it made it sound in the news story that there was going to be a lot of depositions if they're all single. And then, obviously, the burden of proof is going to be less for them. Yeah, so with a civil case, it's a preponderance of the evidence. And in a criminal case, it's beyond all reasonable doubt. So that's the difference in burdens. And you're absolutely right. Civil standard is lower. That's why we always look to O.J. Simpson. He got off in the criminal case, and then he got convicted in the civil case. Uh, But yeah, if all of these cases are individual, Deshaun Watson will have to sit for a deposition in each of them. So if there's 20 lawsuits, he will have 20 depositions. Wow. That's a lot of, of, of depositions. Is, is he, so he did not answer any questions in the, the, uh, before the grand jury did not indict him. Does he have to answer questions, or is this a case where he can plead the fifth as well? Oh, he'll have to answer questions, unless for whatever reason he thinks there's a chance that the question itself will lead to other criminal charges. But if the, the grand jury did not return a true bill on that particular accuser, he'll have to sit and answer questions. Uh, so another story. We've had uh, not great stories for baseball players uh, as the season is close here. But Miguel Andujar, who plays for the Yankees, um, according to a report here, two armed men beat him up before robbing him of his jewelry. Uh, they also apparently took his father's car at the same time. There were apparently gunshots reported during this altercation as well. Uh, Miguel Andujar is not in any critical condition. He is in stable condition. But, like, what happens here for Miguel Andujar? Like, what can he actually do to uh, get his jewelry back, get the car back? Like, what, what happens for him next? Well, I mean, I was surprised this happened in the Dominican Republic because I thought it happened maybe in L.A. or New York. Um, where I mean, look, so I, I mean, it's in the Dominican Republic. So, so his recovery rights, uh, you know, if they they took the stuff, or it's going to be based on on the law there. But first, I think they have to be recovered. Now, you know what will be interesting is insurance, and a, a number of insurance policies will cover your loss if you're traveling, for example. But I don't know if he also has residency uh, in the Dominican Republic, and that could affect, of course. Yeah, it sounded like he was on his farm when it happened. Yeah, so that could affect any U.S.-based insurance, but he may have insurance there. So it really turns into a an insurance claim. And, and, and look, I mean, insurance companies don't like to pay, so they're going to find reasons to weasel out of it. So he may end up having a court case against his insurance company to make sure it's covered. Uh, but that's that's really going to be the extent of his of his recovery rights. What happens in the U.S. if you whatever you're robbed of something or, or in this case, you might get beat up of, of something and th- they don't find the people that did it like they get off with whatever they stole from you. They're gone. Like, is it just you versus your insurance company at that point? Well, yeah. And here's a, a really important thing for for most in most policies, the way that they're written, there is a maximum value amount ascribed to any given item, for example, any item of jewelry. 
And if you have something that exceeds that minimum, it could be as low, honestly, as $500. So if you have a $2,000 engagement ring, for example, it's very important that you call your, your insurance company and make sure that it is, there's a specific rider for it on your policy that it's specifically listed and you'll have to provide a bill of sale or you, you give them, you know, an appraisal of the item. And, and you, you know, you want to, uh, you want to update this from time to time, because if, you know, gosh forbid you get robbed, first of all, if somebody puts a gun in your face, give them everything, right? <laughs> You're, it's a, don't, don't mess around, give it to them. But then you, you want to make sure that those items are individually insured. Uh, because I think a lot of people find out only after it's too late, that they have lost something or had, had you know been burglarized or, or whatever and that those individual items are not they're not going to get back the full the full replacement repri- replacement value uh quickly staying with baseball pete alonzo of the mets uh vehicle flipped multiple times a driver ran a red light and t-boned him on the way to spring training amazingly alonzo walks away uninjured that was the most amazing part and he was ta- i think he was taking back in batting practice <laughs> like five hours earlier um the accident occurred in tampa so I assume if someone runs a red light, the police are called. Can you take me through both criminal, potential criminal charges, but also even if he has no physical injuries, what can he go after the other driver for? And then does that just become insurance companies going at each other for what he can go after the other driver for? Yeah, there probably are not going to be criminal charges unless, of course, the the other driver was was driving at a, at a super high rate of speed or there was there were drugs and alcohol involved, right? So, uh, so th- th- that's the criminal side of it. it. It's a civil case. It's likely going to be just an insurance claim. And the key thing here is, you know, I read this with, you know, with our experience, and I see that he said after the accident that he's not hurt. That's very common, and I think a lot of your listeners will, well, if they've been in an accident, they'll they'll know what I'm saying is that you know you, you may get into an accident and the day of. Mm-hmm. Or even the next day, you, you you think you're okay, but then a week later you realize that the, there, you've got you've got some pain. I saw this. I mean, his car flipped. It was brutal. I would be shocked, even with him being a healthy guy. You know, I I would be shocked if he doesn't end up having some injury that comes from this. Uh, one time, I got uh, rear-ended. My little sister was in the car, and she hit her own face on her own cell phone. Uh, and she did not feel pain or have a bruise until like 48 hours later. I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, that's actually very common. It ta- <laughs> there's a delay, and so I would expect this uh, this Met star to be a little sore as each day goes on. And hey, he's got a good training room, so I'm sure they'll yeah. have a lot of uh, treatment going on behind those closed doors. All right, I I'm I am assuming there's a quick answer to this, but Naomi Osaka was playing tennis and somebody in the crowd yelled, you suck, Naomi. And she like stopped, like did not like that Naomi Osaka has had issues uh, in the past where she didn't want to talk to the media, citing mental health things here. There's nothing that can be done against somebody for simply yelling at a sporting event, you suck, right? Right. Okay. Thank you. It comes with the territory, okay. guys. I mean, I, no, no offense, but that's what separates the elite athletes from the not. Beyond just skill, is having that mental toughness to to shut out all the noise. I mean, we just heard the story with West uh, Russell Westbrook, right? Did you guys hear that? 
where he wants to com- he's complaining about being called West Brick. Yes, yes. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say, yeah, we did hear you made one of 46 three-pointers, but maybe <laughs> and the West Brick makes sense now. Yes, absolutely. But I mean, come on, just make a shot, the name will go away. <laughs> Well, if you if you could be sued for yelling you suck, Tyler would be calling 8201234 because you're going to be representing them <laughs> in about 76 civil suits. So a lot of people they suck on the That's radio. it. That's a lot of depositions. <laughs> eh? exactly. Oh god. <laughs> well, it is Sam and Ash have preferred I yes. don't speak. <laughs> it is samandashlaw.com 702-820-1234. Guys, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks you guys. Oh, hey, thank great you to be guys. with you. See you. Oh, they'd have you take the fifth. I'd be in a lot Are of trouble. Are you kidding me? They if wouldn't allow Sam and Ash problem? wouldn't allow you to talk oh boy oh what a disaster that I, w- would be. I would make it worse yes Absolutely oh they go and say tyler you were saying nothing so jared works with you every day and you guys are currently he's currently suing you because <laughs> you all you literally tell him the only constructive criticism is you suck <laughs> all right we're gonna have mega death tickets to give away in a few minutes coming up next it's bischoff's briefs Bischoff's Briefs. Dude, I'm not going to cave in. End of story, dude. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude, 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 dude. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude. Bischoff's Briefs. I guess you've got a point there. All right, I'm going to need you to help me answer a question at the end of this here because I haven't been able to decode what's happening with Carlos Correa. We have had some interesting reports. Yesterday, Ken Rosenthal said the Astros are planning to make a new offer to Carlos Correa. Uh, They originally offered a five-year, $160 million deal before the lockout. That's $32 million a year. Uh, Correa wanted more years on the deal, looking at a 10-year deal. Corey Seager got a 10-year, $32.5 million per year deal from the Texas Rangers. So the Astros are apparently going to make a new offer. I don't know if that means they're willing to give him 10 years. I don't know if that means they're just going to give him another five-year offer, but with more money, right? Hey, here's five years, 35, $38 million a year, or if it's something in between seven years and 32 million a year. We also had a report from the athletic. uh, Well, I'd say more of a question than a report. Would Carlos Correa sign a one-year deal? And this is based on the idea that nobody is offering Carlos Correa a 10-year deal at the moment. And potentially next offseason, the market might be better for him when there's not a lockout in the middle of it. But would Carlos Correa sign a one-year deal with a ridiculous dollar amount, $40 million, $45 million attached to it? And if he does that, then become a free agent the following offseason and hope that somebody is willing to give you 10 years like Corey Seager got. Also had this from Marley Rivera, who said multiple Astros have players have reached out to ownership and have been extremely vocal about bringing Carlos Correa back. So here's my question that I need help answering. Is this all somehow reports from Scott Boris? Is he leaking this information? That's Carlos Correa's agent. Is he leaking this info because he's trying to get the price of Carlos Correa jacked up? where he's trying to basically say to whatever teams are interested, hey, he might go back to Houston. He might take a friendlier deal, a shorter deal to go back to Houston. But if you swoop in right now with a 10-year offer, Correa is yours. Well, if there's one agent in the business who knows how to do that, it's Scott Boris. Uh, He signed with them during the lockout. And say what you want about Scott Boris, his guys get paid. Or 
is this a scenario where nobody is actually offering Carlos Correa a 10-year deal right now? And we are 25 days or something from the start of the regular season. Carlos Correa doesn't have a team. And this is legitimate that Carlos Correa might sign a short-term deal. But is it still Boris leaking all this stuff? Right. But I would imagine Boris would leak it to get him the 10-year deal. And right. Or this is legitimate and he might actually sign a short-term deal. Maybe it's not with Houston, but with Houston for, you know, maybe it's one year, maybe it's three years, maybe it's a long deal that has opt-outs, whatever it is. Would he be willing, would he actually sign the short-term deal and be back in Houston next year? I don't know how to actually decode this, but what I do know is we're less than four weeks away from the season starting. And he's not on a team. He does not have a team yet. And it doesn't appear as though, but again, this is all based on what baseball reporters Wouldn't he have are signed reporting. by now if someone gave him 10 years? I would think so. I mean, obviously, if somebody gave him 10 years to 50, no, he's probably no, it's going to have to be the Seeger money. Right. But if it's if somebody had offered him the Corey Seeger contract, I imagine he would have taken it by now. And I imagine at this point, if somebody's offering him 10 for 315, he probably would take right. that at this point. And that makes me kind of think nobody's offered him ten years and a respectable dollar amount. Are you surprised Seeger got it and he hasn't and he hasn't even signed yet? A little bit, I think so. I mean, because those were viewed as the one and two free right. agents, and right. I think most people had Correa ahead of Seeger, but it wasn't it wasn't like a wide mark. Both Correa is a little bit younger, but they're both similar in terms. Seeger's actually been a better hitter throughout his career, but Correa is better defensively and a little bit younger. Yeah, I think so. Like that Seager got it almost like, yep, Texas Rangers, 10 years, 325, good to yep. go. And what, the, I think the Tigers offered a 10-year 275 before the lockout to Correa. So it's it's fascinating that nobody has done it. And I'm again, I don't know exactly how to decode it, but it, it feels like there's not a market there for Correa to actually get that 10 years. Would you take the one for 45 or one for 50? As an I Astros mean, fan might, or I mean, as might, Correa? Well, as Correa, I mean... If the money on the ten year isn't near what you want, and you're pretty confident in yourself, given next year there won't be that many shortstops on the on the market, especially not as good a shortstops as there this year, would you bet against yourself and and take the fifty or the forty five? I mean, it might be the it might be his best offer. We don't know so what all these offers are. The fascinating part about a one year deal is that the the biggest complaint about Correa, the biggest like counter argument as to why you sign him, is he's had injury problems. Right. He's had multiple. He had a broke. He got a rib broken during a massage. Right. Like he's had multiple injuries throughout his career. So the risk Jared, of him, Jared broke one getting out of bed the other day. <laughs> the risk of of him signing a one year deal is that if Carlos Correa had an injury and he misses half of the season next year, I'd, I'd have to guess his value plummets. Right. Because you're looking around right. saying, well, it's a good thing we didn't. He's always heard. Good thing he didn't right? get 10 years. He got hurt again. But obviously, if Carlos Correa played on a one-year deal and had he 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 didn't get hurt last year, he has right? a great he season great and does the same exact thing that he did this past. Then he probably get his ten-year deal. Then I have to assume at that point somebody says, "Yeah, twenty-eight-year-old shortstop who's been awesome for two straight seasons." I think you're 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 giving that guy the massive deal. So that's the risk. Now, this was from the story in the Athletic. The possibility. He signs like a five or six year deal with, say, the Houston Astros, but he has an opt out after one year where, okay, here's five or six years. If you play out the five or six years, you're going to make thirty five million a year, right. whatever that dollar amount is. And then you're a free agent again when you're what would that be? Thirty two, thirty two, thirty three, something like that, which you probably can get another pretty big deal at that point. But 
if you're awesome in year one, if you stay healthy, you can opt out after year one and you can try to cash in on that 10-year mega contract. Might be the best way for him. It might be. Now, as a... If you're a team, do you give a guy an opt-out after one year? Right? Like, if you're if you're the Astros, do you sign to that deal but give him that power after one year he can opt out? Depends on, I guess, what other teams are offering, right? If nobody else is offering him a legitimate deal, then no. No, you, give no you give up all your leverage. But if that's the only way to get him, then you might do it. So, I again, I don't know how to do this. What I do know is the guy that was considered the number one free agent in this offseason, still is still unsigned, signed, and we're like three weeks, weeks away, away from, from the season day, starting. Yeah. And I imagine it's easier for pitchers, or for it's a lot easier for hitters than it is for pitchers to just show up and play. Yeah, but it's still, I don't think there's a, I don't think Carlos Correa is signing two days before the season and playing an opening day, like regardless of where he signs. I think if he signs, there's going to be a well, let's get you seeing some live pitching yeah. here for a week before, before yeah, this right. happens, right? He might be in AAA for a week or something, or just at the at the extended spring training, whatever they do. So I'd have to guess like the idea of Carlos Correa starting on opening day, he's going to have to sign within a week yeah. at least. And again, there's some big names still out there, right? I mean, Correa, and, Freeman story. Yeah. And like, that's the thing with Trevor story in this. I have to imagine there's a level of Trevor stories and hasn't signed because people are waiting on what happens yeah, with Correa. With Correa. Because if you need a shortstop, if you're interested in a shortstop, and there's this idea that Correa's not going to get a 10-year deal, well, you're not signing Trevor Story to a six-year no. deal if you've got a potential shot at winning the Correa sweepstake. So, yeah, I mean, Trevor Story sitting out there where it's like, yeah, what happens? So it's basically like washing the Washington Commanders. I still want to call them the Washington football team. To me, it's a better name. But... The Washington Commanders being like, we could get Russell Wilson. We could get Russell Wilson. Someone else got Russell Wilson. We'll take anything. Right. <laughs> Except Trevor Story is a little bit better. Yeah. Than yeah, he's better than <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of, there's probably a team or two out there that's like, well, we'd love to sign Trevor Story, but, but Correa, this Correa guy might, what's he doing? Right. Six years? Well, hell, we can do six years. Like, I, it's a, it's a weird spot to be that, you know, the, if the lockout never happens, Correa probably well, he's signed by is now. signed in December yeah. and it's a ten year deal. But lockout never happens. He might not even he might not have hired Boris. Right. Uh, he, yeah, he hired him during the lockout, yeah. which was a weird thing that happened. But that's the situation for the guy that was considered the number one free agent in baseball. And as an Astros fan, I'll take one more year. I'll take whatever it is. Let's let's do it. You just I, want him back. I can't think of a downside to them signing Carlos Correa. Like they don't want to do it because they'd never give out the ten year deal. Like they right. they don't do the long term ten year thing because whatever they don't want to be paying a guy thirty five million when he's thirty seven, thirty seven, thirty eight years can't old can't hit. But I don't care about that. <laughs> that's that's a decade from now, and it, there's no salary cap. Just boy, Seager's going to be close and, to forty, right? Just leave him on the bench, and somebody else can play shortstop. Some team is going to be like, ah, oh, we missed out on Correa. Ah, oh, we missed out on Story. Somebody get me JT Riddle. <laughs> All, and listen, all like the C tier shortstops, I think have signed. Like Andrelton Simmons signed some. Oh, Jonathan Villar is still out there. There's like there's Gray like, and yeah. Story are the two big names, right? Yeah. There's like one yeah. C level shortstop that's still out there, but most of those ones have signed. Well, Freddie Glavis. Because here's the the Astros, if they don't sign Carlos Correa, are starting a rookie at shortstop. Like today, Dusty Baker called Jeremy Pena, a guy who's never played in major leagues before, the front runner to be the shortstop on opening day, which. Whatever, he's one of their best prospects, projects to be a decent major leaguer, but it's not Carlos Correa. Right. And 
you know, the Astros can still probably win. They're still going to be favorites in the division, whether or not they sign Correa. Hell, Correa could go to a divisional rival, and they'd still, be, still favorites. be the favorites. But give me Carlos Correa back, please. Be nice. Give I'd me Freddie Freeman, that. please. I yeah, keep, he's going to the Padres. I keep refreshing Twitter. Yeah, let's find out I he signs in San Diego. Oh, you'll see the you'll see the laptop fly. <laughs> you will see this laptop fly. I hope I it happens that. on the show tomorrow when we're out at the Westgate. And you accidentally hit and somebody. I actually, hit yeah. some, well, that huge line for people making right. bets, and some poor guy from Indiana. You're not making in. bets today, no, buddy. Sorry. He flew in just to have a, the time of his life, and I throw the laptop at his <laughs> head. What did we learn the last time we did this? Was it a dental parlay? Was that the, yes, yeah, the dental Colgate's parlay. and Oral Roberts. Yeah. Okay. Colgate's yeah. back, Oral Roberts is not. So okay. there is not a dental parlay. Unless there's another mouth-oriented team that we haven't thought of. But, yeah, dental parlay might not be happening. No, I just need Ed to go amongst the people. And be told things that he doesn't <laughs> quite get. All right, here we go. We got two tickets to go see Megadeth. They're coming to Vegas on Saturday, April 9th at Michelob Ultra Arena. If you want to go see Megadeth, 702-364-1100 is the phone number. That is 702-364-1100. We got two tickets, Megadeth, April 9th. Caller number 11 at 702-364-1100. Be doing what you guys do. I'll probably wear a media pass, man. <laughs> Start asking questions. Start doing things, <laughs> start doing other things around the game, man. Having fun, bringing you know camera and stuff. Start taking pictures on the sideline and start asking you guys questions in the media scrum and stuff like that. How you feel about tonight? You know, but who knows, man? But uh, tomorrow to see what happens. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to Reed. He won a pair of tickets to go see Megadeth. Um, you've got less than 24 hours now. LVSportsNetwork.com is our website. We've got a bracket challenge, and we've got up to $1,500 worth of prizes to give away. That includes uh, food for a year from I Heart Mac and Cheese, two-night steak and dinner for two at Sahara Las Vegas, and a pair of tickets to a Golden Knights game, plus an autographed jersey. Those are the prizes we have. LVSportsNetwork.com, right in the middle, it's going to say March Mania Challenge. Click on that and then fill out a bracket, and you could win one of those prizes. I already filled mine out. You can try to beat me as well, which probably won't be too hard. So make sure you do that, lvsportsnetwork.com. Tomorrow, we will be live from the Westgate. So come on down to the Westgate and watch the first day of the NCAA tournament. We'll be out there at 7. Doors open at 8 o'clock, and the games start at 9.15. So if you ever wanted to, like, heckle, the show live on the air. You can do that. Yeah, yeah. just literally Tyler, yeah. you suck. And uh, eventually he'll be like. He'll ask for the it. microphone and make a speech to the entire sports book. I'll probably tell that guy to be louder so more people can hear it on the radio. It'll be great. Um, also, I. The uh, anti-Osaka. Yeah, I wanted to tell you guys a fun story. Do you remember in December when I got two nails in my uh, tire? Yes. Yeah, Within the, the span open. of like a week? Yeah it, was, yeah, it was in the open. Right. So I have more issues with the same tire. Um, the tire has been leaking air and like, it doesn't completely go flat and it takes it a day or two for it to actually leak. But the tire has been leaking air. Um, I took it to one of the places I got one of the holes plugged and they were like, well, we don't really see any leaks. We tightened up your valve stem. Maybe that was the problem. That wasn't the problem within like two days that it started going back flat again. So took it back in and was like, hey, just had it in here, blah, blah, blah. So they took it and they were like looking at it and they call me. And they're like, so there's two plugs in here, right? We did one of them. Somebody else did the other one. Right. The other one is leaking. 
basically they're saying wherever you got they're your ripping, other they're tire saying the other guys ripped you off is leaking. So like I go back in to pick my car up and I'm like, all right, how do you know that right. which one you did? And he's like, well, we like have a seal, like we can tell which one we did versus the other one. So I'm like, all right, I guess I believe you. I don't see that, but all right, yeah. I believe you. And I was like, well, I got it done at this other tire shop because I got one done here by work and I got one done by where I live because that was more convenient on the day. And he was, and so I guess my plan is to take this car and this tire to the place over here by where I work and be like, hey, this other tire place says <laughs> no, you no. screwed up. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I would not do that. What I would go is, hey, the plug, could the plug be leaking? Yeah, I would not throw the other tire. You have no chance. <laughs> because as soon as you do that, they're going to go, no, it's them. No, it's them because we put our own seal on it. Right, but that's what I'm that's saying. What the they're they're both going to claim that the good one is theirs. But yes. if they actually put a seal on it, I'll be like, all right, that that we have proof of whose it is. I mean, with the what do they have their initials on it? I don't know. He didn't exactly. I didn't look How at do it. They, exactly. How do you know which one the seal but is? But the guy at the one yesterday said we can tell which one is ours, and the other. And I'm place guessing is not the people to next it. to work are also going to be able to tell which ones there are, and it's going to be the one that's not leaking. Well, he said we can tell which one is ours. We the other shop can't claim that it's theirs, so I'm guessing there's some sort of like logo that says this is the <laughs> one we did. And here's the other thing: the tire shop that I was at yesterday. They, part of their policy, I guess, is they will not fix a different company's repair that didn't work. Okay. Like, apparently, you can just okay. replug the well, tire. Yeah. And he was like, They could have just replugged it for you. But he was like, We can't, we're not allowed to replug well, somebody, uh, some other company's. I mean, mistake. liability, I could see that. I, you, guess. Jared? I could see that. I mean, you're not going to work on someone else's work. I think there's. That's the entire premise of multiple reality shows is that guys go in and be like, who did this work? Right, right. <laughs> but like if I took a nail and just put it through the bad plug and then took it in, they'd fix it, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Hammer one of those in there. I um, I have a bird update. Don't tell me their names changed again. No, it's okay. still Milo and Maisie. Yeah, Jared, the bird's name's changed. While we, we got like 10 seconds left yeah. in the show, okay, and well, you're dropping this on me? Yeah. How much no, time do I have? Because no more river guess what? sky. Yesterday, she came up to me afterwards. She goes, I'm a little worried. And I said, why? She goes, I'm not sure Maisie's a girl. <laughs>